Hello and welcome back to Between the Notes, a motif music podcast recorded at the Parlor in Providence, Rhode Island. Today we are sitting down with local metal band Three Points of Madness. We want to thank the Parlor for hosting as well as our other sponsors, R1 Entertainment and the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden. We'll get started today by enjoying a performance from our guests before we sit down with them to discuss their experiences with the local music scene. So sit back. Crank up the volume and enjoy the show. Thank you. 
then the sun rises.
Thank you so much, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Between the Notes with Motif Mag. My name is Jack Downey, and I am the interviewer tonight. With me are Three Points of Madness, a local metal band who just put on an absolutely fantastic performance, some really great songs in the mix. And uh, so I just want to start off by asking you guys, uh, where are you from? Uh, where, where are you? Actually, a better question to start with, who are you guys? <laughs> what are your names? I'm George. Ron. Sean. Uh, I live out in Newport, Rhode Island. I live in Rehoboth, Massachusetts. I'm up in uh, Marlboro, Mass. Oh, cool. I'm from Massachusetts, too, actually. I'm from Hingham. Yeah, we basically play all over New England. Now we try to get up to Connecticut. Uh, we're trying to branch out a little further out of state. So we're uh, trying to get everywhere. I mean, hey, you got to respect it, right? I mean, uh, but I know you guys just said where you were each individually from, but I noticed on your Instagram that you have a practice space called The Asylum. Where's, where's that at? That's in uh, Rehoboth, Massachusetts at, uh, at Ron's house. It's in his uh, basement. So he's kind enough to, and his father's kind enough to put up with all our uh, loud noise and stuff. So that's been our, our home base is Rehoboth, Massachusetts. So very cool. And do you just have a drum kit stored there, or, or do you have to lug it back and forth every time? Yeah, I have uh, basically my hardware duplicated down there. So oh, I wow. just, okay. and most of them, I have a duplicated cymbals there. So it's mostly just the drums that I bring back and forth. That's a lot of hardware then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's good that you don't have to bring it back and forth because, I mean, with, with all the drums on stage, I think that would be uh, a lot of time. Right, right. I was going to ask you about that, actually. I was trying to count your cymbals during your performance. How, how many cymbals were you using? I think there is 11. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. I've never seen that many on one stage at one time. So, props. And you, was that a nine-string bass that I saw? Yes, and uh, it's actually not the biggest one I have. <laughs> What's the biggest one that you have? <laughs> the, big <laughs> the biggest one I have is an 11 string, and it goes four below a standard four string to a low G sharp, and I believe three above a standard four, so I got middle C, high F, and high B flat. I and you use all those strings? I do. Wow. I, I respect it. I respect it. I Thank don't know you, if I, I play bass, but it's just a four string bass, and I don't know if I'd know what to do with 11. So, came with a lot of practice. I played six-string bass mainly for like seven years before I even went to anything bigger. And then once I found out that uh, Conklin Basses in Springfield, Missouri, made a seven-string, um, I definitely was all about that. And wanted to check it out. And then when I went to the website, I found that they had nine strings, eight strings, and all this big world I didn't know of. So I checked it out, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I want to see what this is all about. What the different artists are doing with them." And uh, I started doing it myself for my own things. Well, go big or go home, right? Yeah, You ever right? hear about Jeff Ament uh, from Pearl Jam where he has a 12-string bass, apparently? I have one of those, actually, and I am a fan of his, actually. He's the one that inspired me to want to get one of those. So I got, like, a cheap knockoff Hamer 12-string. He's playing Jericho. So yep, of course. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, <laughs> absolutely. That was definitely one of the first songs I learned on 12-string, too, actually. And uh, then I had Conklin make me a 15-string. So it was basically a 5-string with the double octave strings. So, yeah, because I was going to ask how you would set something like that up. Is it strings on top of one another, or is it the neck is just really wide? Uh, no, it's uh, basically groups of three. So three huh. groups of uh, five, in this case, five groups of three. So you have a regular root note strings, and then you have double octave strings right next to them. And you, you, you pluck three strings as one string. So same approach as like you would have with a 12-string guitar. Interesting. Just with an extra string. Yeah, well, I mean, like maybe... guitar strings mixed with bass strings. Oh, okay. I guess that makes a little yeah, bit more they sense. Yeah, they put uh, guitar yeah. strings on it to give it that real 
It's an interesting instrument. Well, maybe I'll get a chance to play one at some point because that would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They're all a lot of fun. So, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, and I was uh, you were talking about going to Connecticut and all over New England. Where where have you played? Where where have some where are some places that you that you've been to? Uh, we were just up at the Main Street Tavern in Stratford, Mass. Um, in, I'm sorry. <laughs> Stratford, Connecticut. Uh, we played awesome. Cherry Street up there. Um, you know, what we started doing is we started mixing. We're an original band, and we started mixing covers in with our set because we were just, you know, we're playing all these shows, not making any money. And, uh, you know, Ron had a lot of friends in cover bands, so uh, we started, like, mixing in covers, and then, you know, we started making money. So we were like, we'd play the covers, and then we'd throw in a few originals. And it really opened the door to a lot of stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, I was just going to say, uh, another key thing about doing that too was uh, it got us to get our originals exposed to people that normally ought to a market that would have normally not heard them. So it was able to expand our market. Instead of just staying in just strictly original clubs, we were noticing that when we started mixing the covers with the originals and playing these gigs at these normally <laughs> what would be cover, cover bars, um, the fans that were there... Uh, that liked our originals, then some of those actually started coming to the all original shows or coming to other shows that were mixed of a mixed, uh, genre, you know, mixed style, if you will. So it's definitely opened up a lot of doors for us. Uh, it definitely paid well, but also it got a lot of more exposure than if we were just sticking with just original clubs. So, but we do it all. Well, that's good. It's good that you're able to adapt like that because a lot of people, I mean, myself included, a lot of people are very stuck on just doing just originals and like oh if i do covers that's selling my soul but i think well, sometimes you yeah, gotta, it's, you gotta i know mean what people a lot want. of my favorite band like look at even the beatles you know started out with oh yeah. you know um a lot of yeah godsmack was alice in chains um what's the uh the band that sounds like zeppelin right now they were a zeppelin oh greta van band. fleet greta van fleet i assume they were I mean, a, they were a zeppelin say. cover band i mean I love playing originals, but it was it's such a struggle in the original scene and now now it's it's like out in California you have the pay to play. You got bands that are literally paying two hundred dollars to play a show. Really? And what they do, yeah, you gotta sell tickets and you don't even make any money until you pay a promoter this this money. So that's starting to move towards the east coast, but um thank God there's still some great clubs out there like Dusk. Uh, Rick, he's supported us over the years. We've been together uh, eight years now, I think. And uh, he's always great. To, he's a staple of the scene. Um, I've played here with a few other bands. You know, so luckily Rhode Island has a lot of cool clubs left in, you know, to, for original bands to play. So uh, I grew up in Miami, and there was very few rock clubs down there. So people around here don't realize how many clubs there actually is you know, to play around here. you got people out in the Midwest who have you know, maybe one big club in their town. And a lot of those are pay to play. You got guys, you got to sell tickets and they put a, a headliner on and they use that money to pay the headliner and, and the promoter. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough business, but you know, we're, we love playing music. So that's, you know, if we were doing it for the money, we wouldn't be doing it. So but at least with the covers, we make a little bit of cash so we can pay for our album and stuff. Speaking of, we are currently recording our fourth album. Uh, Reefer Madness, so we are cutting vocals for it right now. It's going to be coming out this year, so we're really excited. So we've got some really good stuff. Like every band says, we feel it's our best work yet. But <laughs> <clears throat> so it's very exciting. Well, you heard it here, folks. 
Uh, Three Points of Madness is in the studio right now, working on Reefer Madness, so stick around for that. Uh, where can people find out more about upcoming releases? What what, what social media platform is best? We're um, obviously Facebook. Uh, we're on all the streaming stations, you know, Spotify and um, on Google, everything. So you can just Google us and uh, YouTube, of course. We have uh, we we usually record and videotape our shows. Uh, most of them, so we have a lot of stuff on our YouTube. So uh, check out Three Points Madness on YouTube. You can catch a lot of live stuff on there, covers and originals. And um, you know, we just keep plugging. We've obviously we've got our own website. It's uh, www.threepointsofmadnessmusic.com. You can check out all our shows, and uh, we've got some merchant stuff on there. Uh, we have a current album out, Circus of Madness, and uh, that Sean recorded with us, and also. New World Order is uh, up there if you guys want to stream it and check it out. That's great. So, you know, I was thinking too, like eight years for a local band is a very long time. Like not a lot of bands exist that long just because of various pressures from various, uh, for various reasons. So I guess a couple questions surrounding that are how did, how did the band form and how has it stayed together for so long? Um, originally, I... I formed the band, I played in a band called Hemlock for years. I played bass and sung. And uh, after that, I left that group. I started Three Points of Madness and uh, needed a bass player. And Ron played in a band called Ogma. And he came and joined in. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Me. <laughs> Forgot those years. Yeah, me and Ron have been playing together for, for a long time, like 12, 13 years. And uh, we had a band called Octopus Triangle. Uh, we played for a while. And then that kind of fell apart, and uh, the guys, you know, had careers and kids, and so me and Ron decided to carry on with Three Points of Madness. And luckily, we found Sean. Uh, this guy, he's been with us. Um, I think this is his eighth year now. Uh, I think so, like six years or something. Six years you've been with. Right. And and uh, he's been our best drummer by far. Totally dedicated. Uh, the studio is at his house. He's got a great studio in his basement, so that helps with recording. Uh, very dedicated. We don't we don't drink, you know. So there's not the drinking and the drug dramas. So I went through that years past. So that helps a lot. I know a lot of bands break up, you know, with the substances and, you know, it's it's hard work. It's 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 a lot of work when you're when you're driving, paying gas, all the hard work, moving the equipment. But so you really got to love music to do it, which we do. So we have yeah. a blast. And you know we're just now starting to to reap some rewards from it after all the years of, of hard work. So it's it's slowly building. Well, that's great that you're that you're starting to see rewards after so much hard work because some people just they call it a day and they if they had pushed on for even an extra year maybe they would have seen some more results. That's that's what scares me. I'm a musician myself and so I just I intend to keep doing it forever, yep. you know. But it is. Sometimes I wonder, you know, like if I stop here, what if I kept going on yeah, this much farther? So it's pretty cool. I mean, and you, you said you've been doing music for like t probably o over 12 to or 13 years at this point. Yeah, I, I don't even want to say how old, but <laughs> how long I've been doing music, but I've been playing in bands for 20 years. And uh, uh, I don't know about you guys, but about the same. Yeah, so we're, we're old men, so. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still plugging at it, you know. You're never, you're never too old. You're never too young. That's one great thing about music. So, and I mean, music saved my life. It got me, you know. I, I quit drinking, quit doing the drugs, 
and it gave me something to look forward to. You know, you I mean, I you got to have a hobby or something in life that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's really been a great tool for me. And uh, I was lucky to find a couple great guys to play with. Oh, for Aww. sure. That's <laughs> tender moments on 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 between the notes here. Um, but I did want to ask too, what are the three points of madness? Where does where does your band name come from? Well, I started it. You know, we always wanted to think of different symbolisms and different things. But I kind of like just like the way it, it. You know, at first I was like, you know, you know, government and money, uh, big fun. You know, there's so many things, so we couldn't decide on one topic. But you know, it lets the listener, you know, put in whatever they think their their points of madness are. You know what I mean? Okay. But it was definitely. At first, it was kind of a political statement. We were going to do like you know, like a money symbol and maybe like a medical symbol, and then you know, there's just so much stuff going on that that we can use and do use as in certain songs, like uh, New World Order. There's a lot of you know, kind of political you know commentary in some of the lyrics and stuff. But um, Circus of Madness, but you know, we just I just uh, thought it was a cool name. You know, there wasn't any specific. You know, I have thought in the past to lay out a couple. You know, our new our new album, Reefer Madness. We were thinking about doing three uh, pyramids and maybe doing three different images in that. So maybe we can come up with uh, three points of madness that we can we can share. So each album represents three different points of madness. Ah, hey, that's a and great you know what's idea. funny? You said that is we we started doing that with <laughs> songs like doing. Um, we did a song called Medusa's Stare. And now we have a song called Snakes and Medusa. And we were like, why don't we do three, three songs per subject and do okay. it? You know, so we started kind of doing that. So and we're a three piece, obviously. So that was the other thing. So every time we think we want to get another member, we're like, ah, oh, you know, it kind of fits <laughs> the name really good. So, yeah, the three points, they're everywhere. Wherever you look, <laughs> three points of madness. Um, and I was talking to uh, John. Ron. Ron. Wow. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I knew it had on in it. I'm so sorry. But I was talking to Ron, and he was, uh, he was talking about how important the song Nightmares was. So would you like to talk about the song Nightmares and what it means to you? Um, actually, that's a song that was written when I was in high school with my best friend, David Orms. And David used to do all our album covers. And uh, he got really sick from drinking and recently passed. So... Uh, I wanted before, when he was sick, I wanted to make sure what we would do is, is we would throw in the, the last album before Circus, we put one of his songs up there. It was basically songs from my first band that I played. I grew up in Miami with David. And uh, his father took me in. I was on the streets as a teenager. And his dad's house was awesome. His dad ran a TV program at the Miami-Dade Correctional. And he basically you know just gave some of the, uh, the inmates their hope. And this guy collected old music and audio equipment. So living in his house, the whole place was just guitars and basses and just all these these big cool sun amps, echoplex, I mean all this cool stuff. So it was such a great place to, to be as a teenager. That's where I started playing music. And uh, David, after we moved on, went on to do um, advertisement in New York City. He did like online stuff, like he did the artwork for like the, uh, for, like the NFL, stuff like that you know, billboards, and uh, he would always do our artwork. So he recently passed about a year ago, and right before he did, I said, Dave, I said, I really want to do Nightmares. 
and all we have is like a verse and a chorus. So he actually wrote that song was actually written the lyrics by David. So that's kind of a dedication to to Dave, basically, so that some of his music can can kind of live on. So well, that's basically where Nightmares came about. So those you know, so it it definitely means a lot to the, to us and to the band. He helped us out a lot. Cool. He did some really cool artwork for us over the years. So and we miss him a lot. Well, but I'm I'm sorry to hear about your friend. And uh, I mean, did he did he get to hear the song? He did. He oh, actually and yep, he was he got to hear it. He loved it, and uh, I was just glad for that. So and you know he's still with us. So he's with us with the music. So that's good. No, that's and it's it's definitely good that he got to hear the song that he helped create. I think yeah. that's definitely that that must have given him a lot of happiness in that time. So that's a, that's a very nice story. Thank you. Uh, and I guess steering away from something as heavy as that. Um, <laughs> So I know you're wearing a King Crimson shirt. Yep. You're wearing a Metallica shirt. <laughs> I you're wearing a button-down shirt. But uh, so I can assume that those are some of your influences. Uh, so who else would you say has influenced this band? Okay. As far as me, me personally, uh, my main influence as far as bass guitar is concerned is Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. So I'm obviously other than a Metallica fan, I'm an Iron Maiden fan. So I wanted to say. I love metal, a lot of metal bands, but we don't have enough time to list them all. So if I just had to pick two, it would be Maiden and Metallica as my major influences for sure. Uh, I'm really interested in a lot of uh, proc-related stuff. So like Dream Theater, Porcupine Tree, Tool, um, Metallica, of course. <laughs> that was that was my big listen when I was uh, growing up for that stuff. That's cool. Uh, my my music is everywhere. My parents, uh, growing up, listened to like Yes, and uh, The Doors, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So I started with that stuff, and then of course the metal, Anthrax, Metallica, Testament. Uh, my first concert, 15 years old, Queensrÿche Metallica. Uh, we bought tickets the day of the show. We had no tickets. Skipped junior high school to go to the show, and the lady uh, saw us. You know, kids. They were like, "I'm going to treat these kids." She gave us. Uh, third row seats on the floor. Wow. And uh, somebody canceled their credit card ticket, so we managed. So that was my first experience at a show. And it was after I, after that night, I was like, I know what I'm going to do forever. I'm going to play. It was just, it was like a religious experience. It really was. It was just so intense. So, but yeah, my music, uh, I, I like, I like everything. So, you know, we're, we'll crank out some, some EDM, some Metallica. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Yeah, we're, we're pretty, I'm pretty open. We're all pretty open-minded. I mean, I, I love it all. Metal, progressive rock, progressive metal, you know, death metal, some black metal, uh, even some country and western, believe it or not, more so the older stuff. <laughs> like, I'm, only one, I'm only one brave enough to say that, like uh, from the 70s, the 90s, kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just so many, so many different things. Um, so uh, it all gets in there in some way. You know, big jazz fusion fan. As well, like you know, Jacob Astarius, Weather Report, and stuff like that. So that kind of influences and in the bass playing and whatnot. Not that I could play like those guys, but I try, you know, do my best. And still learning. We all are, you know. And you gotta have about. something to strive for, right? Absolutely. And yeah. we keep growing every album too. That's the we. I think we all each keep each other on our feet, and always we always try to get the best out of each other. And I think that's that we are, and it's a great fit, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And I'm looking really forward to continue to learn and to continue to do even better. That's great. 
And you know, what's funny about your Metallica story is that my first local show that I ever went to, like back in Massachusetts, was actually a battle of the bands, a metal battle of the bands at the Palladium in Worcester, because uh, a fellow student of mine was playing bass for them, and I got invited along. So we took the trick out to Worcester, and that was the first local show I'd seen. And I thought it was pretty crazy, you know, because it was a smaller venue, uh, but it still held a lot of people. And that was my first time being in the mosh pit, actually. This was like sophomore year of high school, I think. Um, and, you know, ever since then, I've just loved local shows. So I understand fully what you mean when, I mean, granted, Metallica is different than a local band, obviously. But, you know, it's, it's just, I, I understand what you mean when you see a concert and you're like, this is, I want to be a part of this forever, you know? Yeah, I mean, even small local shows can do the same, have the same effect on you. I mean, music is music. So I've, I've been to shows where I've, I've felt that again. You know, you just guy right here, actually. How about you? Uh, no, just an example of how, because I think a lot of times, unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this too sometimes, you know, original music, like when people see original bands on a bill, especially ones that they don't know, they tend to say, oh, I'm going to skip that band. I don't really know them. I'm going to go see so-and-so instead. And to be honest with you, there was a night just like that uh, way back when, and I don't remember, and it was a 4th of July night, and it, the living room was still oh, around, room, yes? Yeah. And at that time, I was in that band called Agma, which is a progressive metal band uh, with Blake Carpenter, Kevin Williams, and Brock Papineau. And uh, Blake got me off my butt that night to go out. He's like, oh, you want to go? I was like, well, there's a whole bunch of bands playing, and I really don't know any, you know, the same kind of attitude, right? But you know what? There was nothing else to do. I decided to come out. Well, anyway, to get to the point is uh, when I went there, you know, I was right. First couple of four bands, really nothing that special. Just one of them, no more bad, but, you know, just typical, you know? And then this one band came on. All I could say is I stopped talking, and I immediately went back to focus on the stage, and that was this guy right here. He was actually playing and singing bass at, in the band Hemlock at the time. And those guys uh, at the time with that lineup really got my attention and my, sing my old singer Blake's attention, and they were like, we talked to each other just in between. It's like, dude, after this, after this set, we gotta go up and talk to these guys because we just found somebody new to gig with. Because these guys are amazing. They stick out in a good way. They're original in the sense of being original, and we just love what they did. So that our actual relationship goes as far back as that gig. So I just shared that also because it's a good point of you never know what you're gonna miss unless you go out and see a show. Right. Exactly. So you always should just check it out. We were actually just talking about that. Uh, I'm part of Providence College's jazz ensemble, and we had a we had a rehearse or a recital Friday, and it was fine, but there wasn't a whole lot of people in the crowd. And so our professor, this guy Dr. Melly, uh, on Monday we had a rehearsal, and he was just like, "What, what, what do you think we can do to bring more people out, and why wouldn't people go out to see this live music?" And it was like this big discussion. But the answer is, it's like if it's pe if it's music that people don't know immediately, then they're probably going to be a little bit more reluctant to go out and support it, because that same night, there was, like, Providence College's acapella groups were having a concert, and I love the acapella groups, you know, and I, I went to go see them on Sunday, and they were amazing, but the thing is, is they're always going to bring people out instead of us, because they're singing songs that people know, and we're playing obscure jazz songs that maybe you don't. So hence, hence why we started mixing in with our original stuff to covers. That's that's what it, I mean. It yeah, got the exposure, and, you know, and then we, people uh, got to hear our stuff. Yeah, and we uh, what was actually a good idea was we we did a jazz rendition of Time After Time by Sidney Lauper, right. and people actually commented afterwards like, "Oh, we saw Sidney Lauper's name on the poster, and we decided to go and check it out." So, oh, cool. I think I think we're kind of on the same track as you guys in a way. So, nice, yeah, but.
So I think that's all the time that we have tonight. So this has been Between the Notes with Motif Mag. My name is Jack Downey. Thanks again to Three Points of Madness for joining us tonight. You Thank guys you, did a man. great job. You. you were a lot of fun to talk to. And definitely check them out on all streaming services. Look out for their album, Reefer Madness, coming out soon. And give them a follow on social media to know when they're gigging next. Do you have any gigs coming up? We do. This coming Saturday uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts at uh, Knuckleheads Bar and Grill. And we're actually opening for our buddies, Absolute Eddie, who's a great local Iron Maiden tribute band. Cool. So should be killer. Great. Well, you heard it here. You're gonna, you're gonna, you can see Three Points of Madness in New Bedford. Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads Bar. So that's all for tonight. Thank you to R1 Carding and Trinity Beer Garden for uh, sponsoring our podcast. Thank you to The Parlor for letting us use their space for this podcast. And thank you guys again for being here tonight. Thank you all for watching. If you want to check this out after the fact, it will be up on Facebook forever. Um, so like and comment if you enjoyed. And it'll be on Spotify in a week or so. So give it a listen there too. Uh, thanks for tuning in and have a good night. This has been Motifs Between the Notes. We would like to take a moment to once more thank the sponsors for this episode, The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, and the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden. And thank you for listening. <laughs>